And welcome to the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. This is the program where we talk about the news of the week, the events of our often bizarre lives, and where we provide you with a three-hour oasis of rationality in the desert of insanity, which is the American media, cultural, and political landscape. As usual, tons to talk about this week. How are you, Leah Brandon? I'm doing very well. How are you? Uh, I'm okay. I'm I'm a little bit uh, tired because I, I actually just had a very interesting experience uh, this afternoon. I, I taped a podcast with Adam Carolla, who <laughs> run, has the number one podcast in the country. He does, and uh, his co-host Mark Garagos on a podcast they call Reasonable Doubt, which is about legal issues. You may recall that when you and I were on KFI in Los Angeles, we used to rip Mark Garagos all the time. Constantly. Because uh, he was always... Shyster. Right. He was always <laughs> representing some of the more unsavory characters, including Scott Peterson. Yep. Uh, and, and losing. Right. Well, thankfully there. <laughs> Although, apparently, he still believes that Scott Peterson is innocent, which is just oh remarkable. Oh, my gosh. Remarkable to me, if, if that's actually true. But he seemed like a super nice guy. Uh, we did an hour-long podcast, which will be out, uh, I believe, this Saturday, and I'll be tweeting it and Facebooking and... You'll be able to find it easily, and uh, I'm sure we'll reference it because it was all over the the topic that has unfortunately dominated my life for almost the last five years, which is the entire Penn State, Joe Paterno, Jerry Sandusky story, which, by the way, had a major development this week with Sandusky yes. finally testifying for the first time. I'll talk about that probably in hour number three uh, with a revelation about the case that you're not going to want to miss that I don't even think you know about, Leah Brandon, that uh, I'm fascinated to get your reaction to. Okay. But but the podcast was interesting. You know, Adam's a very funny guy. Uh, he uh, happens to be um, the I would say by far not even there's not even a close second the media personality that my wife likes the most. Oh, is that right? Yeah, my I, my wife uh, has never listened to this program except for when she was in studio with our daughter Grace. Uh, she has I've done probably hundreds of interviews on the whole Penn State Sandusky thing, including twice on the Today Show with Matt Lauer. To my knowledge, she's never listened or watched one time. Yeah, I don't blame her there. Oh, I get it. I understand. Believe me. Trust me. (laughs) I I understand my place in the world better than almost anybody (laughs) on on the planet, um, especially with my wife, to remind me. But uh, it was very odd because she would have thought, based on her reaction, you would have thought uh, that... Elvis is second coming. (laughs) Yeah, this was by far the most important interview I've ever done in my life. Yes. I mean, she was so geeked up because I was going to be on with Adam Carolla. Uh, and, you know, it went pretty well. I, I expected that both a- Adam would get it because he's a smart guy, uh, which he is, and that Mark would get it because he's a defense attorney. And, if my God, if you believe Scott Peterson is innocent, I can, I can convince <laughs> you of almost anything. So I was confident that they would get it. What was frustrating, though, and this is the larger picture, is here we have a situation where this is a podcast. There's no commercials, right? Right. We we have an hour of time. In the 15-second attention span media universe, this is as good as it gets. And for a number of reasons, we still couldn't really get to the heart of the matter. 
Now, because it's so involved. It's very complex. Well, it's, not, it's actually not, you know, you use the correct word. It's not complex. It's involved. Mm-hmm. And you can't explain it in 15 or 30 seconds. But it's also partially because the nature of, of, of media is you want to be entertaining. And, you know, Adam likes to take things in the direction where he thinks it's going to be entertaining. And Mark is curious about things almost in an ADHD kind of way. And so we, we, we got to a lot of really great stuff. And it was way, 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 way better than, you know, almost any other media piece that's ever been done on this, this story. But that's not saying much because the media completely has butchered it uh, from day one almost five years ago. But it was still just so frustrating to me to, to recognize Wow, this is as good as it gets. I got a smart guy and the defense attorney and an hour on a podcast with no commercials, and I'm still only hitting the tip of the iceberg. Right. And it's... And uh, And so you can't really get the reaction, you know, that you're hoping for, the aha (laughs) that you're hoping for. I... I think they got it, but people can determine that for themselves when they listen to the podcast, which, again, will be out uh, next uh, Saturday, and I'm sure I'll be promoting it heavily. We've got um, Yes, go ahead. You know what? I just want to say, you know, we are live here, and we are on a station in New York, and police in New York right now, uh, they're responding. There's been shots fired inside a terminal at JFK Airport, and they're evacuating Terminal 8 right now because of this, and that's all we know, but... Uh, we're live, and so we can bring you breaking news. Well, yeah, this is this is literally breaking news to me. I had no idea that that was going on. So please, just happen. All right. Well, that that's why we do a show on Sunday nights. You got there's no other place to go on a Sunday night nationwide on 24 different stations across this formerly great nation of ours than the John and Leah show. So we'll obviously keep an eye out on that and see uh, what the heck is going on there. Uh, that obviously could be a huge story, but who the heck knows? There's a ton to get to this week. I mean, we are jam packed. We've obviously got our weekly look at the race for the White House 2016. But when we come back, we'll discuss what happened last night with the riots in Milwaukee and how that might impact the race for the White House. All that and more coming up on the John and Leah show right here on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. We will uh, keep an eye on the news uh, breaking right now that there have been shots fired at JFK Airport in New York and that a terminal is being evacuated. No reports yet on injuries, but who the heck knows what's going on there in this crazy world. And it's been a remarkable news year on so many levels, almost all of it bad. A lot of it happening on weekends, which we are acutely aware of here on the John and Leah show. That certainly continued this weekend, and we'll try to cover it all specifically with regard to what happened last night in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, with a riot breaking out. Uh, Leah, tell us about that. Yeah, it was rioting in the street of Milwaukee after a black career criminal out on parole with a stolen loaded gun was killed by a police officer when he refused to drop it. And then a standoff between police and an angry crowd turned violent. 
At least 100 people taken to the streets, burning a gas station and other businesses. They attacked a reporter, causing the usual chaos. The officer involved is 24. He is black, and he's been with the department for six years. The fire department reporting that they couldn't get close to put out the flames because of the gunshots. At one point, the officers tried to get in their cars to leave. Some of the crowd attacked the police in their cars, smashing the windows. Also, an officer had to go to the hospital because he was hit in the head with a brick. Governor Scott Walker sent in the National Guard. Also, the rioters took the opportunity to attack anyone white in the vicinity. They beat up every white person. They just beat every white person. Man, no white person come down Sherman. There you go. All right, so to review, we've got a situation where it appears, well, we don't know all the facts yet, but the surface certainly appears as if there was a justified shooting of a black man. I mean, he was clearly armed, uh, and so there's no evidence at all that this is even remotely close to the theoretical, perfect Black Lives Matter, usually BS narrative that an unarmed black guy who had his hands up and was screaming, don't shoot, which of course never actually happened. Who was uh, a pillar of the community. Right. Was, was shot and killed. So we don't even have an allegation of that. This is, this is, you know, first blush. We, there's no indication at all. And yet, despite that, without any hesitation, there are immediate, and I mean immediate riots, uh, because of course the facts don't matter. Truth doesn't matter. All they needed to know was a black guy was killed by police uh, yes. And it didn't matter what the race of the policeman was. No. Uh, and so we're, we're going to just use this as an opportunity for destruction and mayhem. And and by the way, uh, not only that, but we're going to chant black power and go get whitey yeah. uh, in a way that was caught on tape. And yet suspiciously, and I mean this facetiously, suspiciously, <laughs> that's not been a large part at all of the major media narrative of this situation well now, there are time constraints yeah because we don't have enough time for the video because i'm sure i'm sure if there were white people right it's not as, as, if, as if this was ever going to happen but let's pretend for a second that there were white people rioting over a white guy getting shot by a black police officer uh, regardless of whether they were armed or not and they were shouting white power and maybe let's just throw in a Confederate flag just for the heck of it. And, and you know, let's go get the N-words. Um, I wonder how many media organizations would be uh, would be running that on a loop 24-7. It would oh, be, international. Right. It would be all over the place. Now, part is a, this is a sub-sub-subplot to this, but I think it's important to point out, and it dovetails with one of my major themes of this entire election cycle – is that, you know, the Drudge Report used to be the one place that could inject such a video into the mainstream, the bloodstream of the mainstream media by basically forcing them to acknowledge it because they would look like fools if they didn't. That's right. Well, unfortunately, in this cycle, Drudge has completely exposed himself as a, as a fraud, totally in the tank for Trump. The, the, the site has become a joke. And part yes. of that joke is he has been routinely linking to conspiracy websites like InfoWars. And if you go to Drudge Report right now, it is InfoWars, 
that is linked as his headline on this story, and it's InfoWars that has the videotape to which we just referred. Now, in a rational world, it wouldn't matter what the source of the videotape was. It wouldn't matter what website was hosting the videotape. If the videotape was real, and there's no allegation that it's not, if it was verified, then every news media outlet would go, okay, this is certainly legitimate, it's certainly credible, rational, it, it's it's relevant to the story, uh, it's obviously provocative, we're going to run this. But because it's on Drudge and it's hosted by InfoWars, it basically gives an excuse, and trust me, the news media is looking for one, it gives the news media an excuse to not run with the video. And this is part of the price that we pay in the conservative media for having sold out to Donald Trump. Our only outlet that had the ability to inject a story like this into the mainstream has been discredited. Yes. Uh, largely because of what he's doing right now, I'm referring to Matt Drudge, by linking to a nut job, InfoWars, Alex Jones conspiracy website, even though it's a videotape. Now, the other element of this that's interesting, I mean, let's let's not forget the big part of the story. Once again, Black Lives Matter has been exposed as a terrorist organization. A terrorist organization that is racist and and has doesn't give a rat's ass about the truth. They yeah. don't they don't care at all about justice. All they care about is the ability to cause chaos and mayhem and get away with it and be perceived as a political power within the black community and maybe get some ransom for that. Get That's some, what they're looking for is the money. Right. Ransom, reparations, whatever you want to call it. And so what we saw in Milwaukee, Wisconsin last night was probably the worst example of this because of what we know about the underlying case, because of the timing. My God, how do you not even... Wait a day just to find out what the hell happened. They don't uh, care. It doesn't it, matter. Truth doesn't matter here. And then, of course, you got the other interesting element of this is David Clark country. This is Sheriff David Clark country, the the uh, the so-called Democrat, but he's more of a Republican. He spoke at the Republican convention. He's the sheriff of the county there. Uh, you also have Scott Walker, who I, I believe should have been the Republican presidential nominee if we cared about winning. He's the governor there in Wisconsin. Can you imagine... Right now, I don't know about if Walker was the nominee, but if if there was a legitimate nominee on the Republican side who had a shot in Wisconsin, the events of the last 24 hours would have scared the bejesus out of every white person in the state and, yes. had, and had them rethinking for sure a vote for Hillary Clinton. But instead, we got somebody Wisconsinites ain't going to vote for. So thank you very much, Trumpkins, for giving us a candidate that cannot win a key state, a state that was up for grabs, could have been won. We got David Clark and Scott Walker there to help out. But because Trump is Trump, uh-uh, it's not going to happen. Uh, now, obviously, that's a crass political way to look at this, but there are all sorts of elements of this story, and that's clearly one of them. And it's it's very frustrating. I mean, I'm seeing this throughout all the news. I keep thinking, geez, if we only just didn't have Trump as our nominee, think of who could be taking advantage of this. The whole Iranian story, Marco Rubio would have been perfect to take advantage of that. But nope, yes. we, instead we got Trump. Uh, and so, who steps on it? Oh, to step on it is the <laughs> understatement. Uh, well, it's almost impossible to make an understatement with regard to how uh, Trump steps on it. Maybe on purpose, maybe not. So that's the situation in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We're keeping an eye on... More information on what's going on at JFK Airport in New York City with reports of shots fired. And we will get to 
our weekly look at the race for the White House 2016 right here on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. Still um, researching reports out of New York City and JFK Airport that there is an active shooter after shots were fired, forcing the uh, evacuation of Terminal 8 there at JFK Airport. Oddly enough, according to the Leah Brandon, because I don't have a television where I am in Southern California in my studio. Right. Uh, but you're, you're saying that no one's broken in yet for for coverage, which is kind of odd, uh, even though there's no reports of any fatalities or even injuries as of yet. And this could end up being a situation was, which is a big nothing burger. You never, We have no idea right. yet. Uh, right. But, but usually when it's New York City and it's airports, that that's the media goes on high alert no matter what it is, whether, whether oh, yes. there's anything really there or not. Oh. And uh, we haven't seen we that have- yet. Well, we have conflicting reports. Uh, the Associated Press now is saying that the New York Police Department says that officers are responding uh, after reports of shots fired, but the NYPD said they can't confirm whether any shots were actually fired. Hmm. So that's the situation. We'll so just, we we'll could theoretically and hopefully still have a situation where some sort of misunderstanding created yes. a panic. We could that could still be what we're talking about here, or we could be talking about something very, very serious. We we just don't know. We'll keep an eye on it uh, over the next uh, almost two and a half hours remaining in the program. Now let's turn to the race for the White House 2016, and we're getting into a very, very all too familiar, almost Groundhog Day like pattern, where there are more revelations that should be very damaging to Hillary Clinton regarding her emails, and then the media ends up focusing on. St- really stupid things that Donald Trump says. So uh, we do that again this week. Let's start with the emails first, Leah. Okay, so somehow uh, the legal watchdog group, they're called Judicial Watch, they seem to get a hold of more emails with troubling information than the FBI. This week, they released nearly 300 pages of State Department records. These included 44 email exchanges that supposedly were not turned over to the State Department during the FBI investigation of Clinton's private server. Some of those emails show a top Clinton Foundation aide asking top State Department aides for favors. Now, some of this did come to light at one time. The FBI went to the Department of Justice to say, we want to open a uh, an investigation. The Department of Justice declined that. Also, uh, when the Clinton Foundation aide asked the top State Department aides for favors, the asks are answered in the affirmative. It's been called a pay-to-play scheme between the Clinton State Department and the Clinton Foundation. Now, Bill Clinton has been sent out to downplay the entire email issue. He was in Vegas on Friday. This is the biggest load of bull I ever heard. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, he's not sounding good, Bill Clinton. 
He, no, uh, or uh, looking good. Uh, he there's something wrong with him. Uh, he is definitely forget about lost his fastball. Uh, he lost that a long time ago. I'm not even sure he's able to get the ball over the plate anymore. Um, now, as far as what's really going on here, you and I have talked for a very long time, far too long, really, because I, I find that the subject to be not that interesting, but it's still important. Uh, we've talked for a long time about the Clinton Foundation and how it certainly seemed to us as if that was the key to understanding all of this email fiasco, that that basically the foundation was being used to to bilk foreign leaders out of their money yes. and that it was used as, as a, essentially uh, an administration in waiting to keep their friends happy, give them jobs, mm-hmm. that type of thing, waiting for Hillary to become uh, president of the United States. Now, for the record, and, and you know, you know I'm all about the truth, Leah, and while I absolutely believe that's what the Clinton Foundation is or was, there's a lot of smoke and there might be a little bit of fire, but I don't feel like there's a smoking gun yet. Um, now, we might be getting closer. Maybe there's a good reason why there's no smoking gun yet because of the deleted emails. Of course, another side of me says, well, if they were going to delete emails, why weren't these deleted? If they, if, they, if they knew that this was a sensitive area that they were very vulnerable on, why did they, these emails not get eliminated? Um, but even these emails, and then you probably will disagree with me on this, these emails, while certainly inappropriate, were not shocking at all. This is the way business is done. That doesn't make it right. But, you know, that's the way the world works. If you give an organization a lot of money, guess what? They put you in touch with somebody when you ask to be put in touch with them. Or if you, you know, you might get a, an interview for a job if that's what you want. That's the way the world works. Is it right? No. But is it something that's going to dramatically alter the perception of an already perceived as corrupt Hillary Clinton? I don't see it. I, I have maintained. Well, what, what's your response to that? I don't even think, Pete, I don't even think if you're voting for Hillary Clinton, you care. She is nothing but corruption. She's a terrible candidate, and they don't care. That's the bottom line. I mean, how much more has to come out? If you recall, Zig, I said when this first came out mm-hmm. that I believed the only reason she had the private server right. was so she could do this. And That's that, it. And that makes sense, ex- except for the part that they were really, really, really sloppy about it. Uh, well, so- not really. I mean, look, they did delete a whole bunch of emails. Uh, the judicial watch is, look at the hoops they're having to go through just to mm-hmm. get this. There's a reason why it wasn't on the government servers. Uh, now, I don't know. This is not going to go anywhere. I don't think it's going to affect her at all. Well, and we agree on that maybe for slightly different reasons. I do think that Bill Clinton, and that's part of why he got annoyed there with his rant about this being a big, but biggest bunch of bullies ever seen. I do think the Clintons are a bit taken aback that the media is still covering this. I, I think that they're like, wait a minute, didn't they get our memo that this is old news? We're supposed to move on now. We've covered this enough. I mean, I, I believe Leon Panetta basically made that plea today to the media. Like, whoa, can't we, can't we just please move along now? Because uh, I think that's what the news media was supposed to do. I think partly because the news media, one, doesn't really like Hillary. She's not popular. They don't see her uh, election as a great boon for them economically. In fact, Trump would be better for them ratings-wise. And so even though ideologically they, they want to support Hillary, and certainly I think some of them or many of them are fearful of a Trump presidency, 
they are even more fearful of a Hillary route because a Hillary route destroys their ratings uh, goose, uh, the golden goose, for you know a shorter period of time than, than they are expecting. So for whatever reason, the news media is covering the email revelations in a way that is, I think, better and stronger, although not certainly perfect, than I expected. Now, that being said, let me go back to something I referenced in the last segment about how Matt Drudge has discredited himself. Part of how he discredited himself occurred in a tangential way to this email story last week. And this, to me, was the ultimate moment. Forget about jumping the shark. You know, the old joke about the Fonzie uh, Happy Days episode, jumping the shark while, while uh, water skiing. Uh, what Drudge did on this story involving Julian Assange <laughs> floating the notion that the DNC worker that was attacked and murdered in D.C., Yes. Was actually working for them, implying a couple things, implying that this was the guy who was responsible for the leaks, not the Russians. And that, oh, by the way, Hillary or one of her henchmen killed the guy now. And by the way, this wasn't like a link at the bottom of the Drudge Report. This was in red as the headline for like 12 hours replaced by a shady photo, literally shady photograph of Debbie Wasserman Schultz, basically implying that she was the one that was responsible for the murder that of this. That ordered the hit. Right, on, on this DNC worker. Now, it wasn't until the family of the DNC worker said, whoa, whoa, please, stop. This is insane. This is, this is, he had nothing to do with this. Then Drudge all of a sudden dropped the whole thing. And by the way, it's interesting because I'm a drudge of file. Uh, and my old friend Andrew Breitbart used to be his, his and late friend Andrew Breitbart used to be his right hand man. So I know the way he works. He almost never takes a story from the headline off the page entirely. But he did that here right after the family uh, put out that statement saying this is not right. This is not fair. And let's be clear what the basis of this was. This was a a blogger posting an interview, a foreign interview with Julian Assange, not exactly a credible source especially when it comes to the best interest of the United States, a guy who has already joked with Bill Maher about going after and trying to hack into Donald Trump's taxes. They later said that was something that was not true. They're not trying to go after Donald Trump's taxes, for better or for worse. But Julian Assange clearly and obviously to anybody with a clue floated this balloon in the most vague way possible, knowing that somebody in the United States was going to pick it up and freak out, probably drudge, to create this crackpot conspiracy theory that somehow Hillary Clinton's going around murdering people. Well, I mean, you know, probably wouldn't be the first time. (laughs) See, and you're you're exactly why this works, Leah. You're the reason why... The the reason it works is because of the history and the the jokes of the history. Okay, but there's never been anything proven in that regard. Right, right, but that's why it works. Well, it, it works because a lot of people are unhinged. A lot of our people are unhinged. Look, there's no evidence Hillary Clinton has ever killed anybody. Can we at least agree on that? No, apparently we can't. I mean, I'm not blaming Hillary Clinton specifically. Oh, okay. Well, someone on her behalf, which, by the way, you don't kill someone after they've hacked and leaked. Okay. You kill them before. After is the dumbest thing you can possibly do. All right, not as if they would do. This is an insane conversation. The the, impo- the point is, the point is, without any evidence at all, Matt Drudge for a day 
had that as his top story that somehow, because Julian Assange means, makes an aside, vague, clearly bullcrap comment to a foreign interviewer, that somehow the source of this entire email mess is a Democratic National Committee member who was mysteriously killed in D.C. People get killed in D.C. all the time. Now, this was uh, more unusual than most. Obviously, it needs to be investigated. I am pretty darn confident we're not going to find Hillary Clinton or anyone close to her's fingerprints on that death. And nor are we ever going to— Where there are questions and people are looking for answers, they're going to fill in the blanks. That doesn't make They're it. Looking doesn't for make ways it true. To fill in the blank. Doesn't make it true, and it's, it's and, it, and it hurts our credibility on our side. So that when we say, for instance, that look at this tape of these these black racists for Black Lives Matter <laughs> uh, chanting Black Power and go get whitey, no one cares because it's yeah. But Drudge is done. Right, Ever well, since you exposed Drudge to me, and that used to be my number one page. I haven't been there until today for months. I understand that. Well, that's he's that's, done. And by the way, that's but that's a detriment to the conservative side because he was the one way to get a story that the mainstream news media was afraid to touch to force them to cover it. And now that's gone, thanks largely to his unbelievably in the tank coverage of Donald Trump. When we come back, this another great opportunity this week to jump all over. Scandals and corruption within the Clintons and their campaign was blundered by Donald Trump. And we'll talk about that when we return. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. If you were a little confused in the last segment, you weren't alone. I'm sure it uh, sounded awfully weird when we started talking about uh, news from six months ago. Uh, But that was because apparently we went off the air for about uh, five or six minutes. And uh, now everything should be back in order. So um, what you missed was a spectacular report from Leah Brandon about the email revelations with the Clinton Foundation and uh, how it is that the Clinton Foundation basically is exactly what uh, Leah and I have uh, suspected that it would be or is uh, for most of the last year as this issue has been bubbling in the news. Uh, we also discussed, though, uh, how it is that the, the while the news media is still covering it, that because it's already baked into the cake with regard to the perception of Hillary Clinton being corrupt, that it's not likely to have a lot of impact. I have joked many, many times in this show Leah, that the only emails that are really going to destroy Hillary Clinton is if she is found herself personally dissing Beyonce or Taylor Swift or Katy Perry or somebody in that ilk. And then she's in trouble because yes, because then that's going to hit at her base. That's a story the news media will salivate over. That's something that will capture the attention of the voting public and specifically those voters who decide elections, which we can never forget, are idiots, imbeciles. So yes, they are. All right, so that that's the issue there. And then I went on to talk. I don't know how much of this made it over the air, but then talked about how it is that uh, Matt Drudge completely uh, has blown it. Yeah, well, yeah, Matt Drudge didn't just uh, jump the shark. He completely exposed himself as a fraud by for over a day uh, trying to pretend that uh, Julian Assange was a good source to claim that it was not the Russians, but the Democratic Party itself, which hacked into 
and leaked the emails and that the guy who did it was somehow murdered in D.C., presumably, I guess, either by Hillary Clinton herself or, I don't know, maybe the DNC or somebody working for her, which is all just a bunch of... It's just flat out ridiculous. Okay, so, all right. Now, that being said, this was another week in which the news should have been very, very conducive to Donald Trump making some headway. And if we, Again. And if we had a legitimate candidate uh, who would not be a situation where he was going to create a referendum on himself. See, the number one thing you need to understand about this election of a thousand things is that this election should be a referendum on Hillary Clinton herself, the Clintons in general, and whether or not you want to stay in the past or whether you want to go into the future. That should be the story. That should be the narrative. That's the referendum. We have taken that referendum, which almost anybody could win, and we've turned it into a referendum on whether or not Donald Trump is a legitimate president, which is not only not the narrative you want, not a question that should really even be relevant. That's not what should we be. It's not what we should be debating. But it's also not a case that I think we can win with, well, anywhere close to 50 percent of the voting public, especially in the key states needed to win the Electoral College. So with that being said, I have predicted time and time again that the MO here, that the the natural course of events would be that Donald Trump would get crushed once the conventions were over by the news media in the daily news cycle. Because what's the news media looking for? They're not looking for substance, and they're certainly not looking to obsess over anything that makes Hillary look bad. They're going to focus on things that Donald Trump does and says and what's going on with him. And because that he's undisciplined and because he doesn't usually use a teleprompter and because he's desperately trying to please those crowds that he loves at those big rallies, inevitably he's going to say something that gets, gives them exactly what they want, which is a story to get through the day. That's what the news media wants. They want a story to get through the day so they can kick, keep their cushy gigs until tomorrow. Well, on virtually a daily basis, this premonition has come true. And it's Especially cer- when Hillary, when bad news comes out about Hillary, he has got to jump in there and steal the spotlight. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Honestly, I don't whether he's doing it on purpose, but, you're, I, uh, but effectively, you think he's doing it on purpose. It, it, there's no way he could not be doing it on purpose. Well, it happened. It's every time. Well, it happened again this week. And it happened in, in very um, prominent and controversial fashion. First, when he made a statement about Supreme Court justice uh, selections, and obviously uh, people like myself who are disin- very disinclined to vote for Donald Trump have been basically emotionally blackmailed over, oh, you can't vote for Hillary because uh, you know she will have a, a liberal Supreme Court justice to replace Antonin Scalia, and for some reason we're supposed to believe and trust that Donald Trump will not. And Trump was making the case that this was the reason to vote for him uh, and uh, specifically with regard to the Second Amendment and how she, Hillary, would appoint judges who want to get rid of the Second Amendment. Whether that's true or not, we don't know. She does. She she has said she wants uh, gun control. Uh, Yeah, I believe it 100 percent. Fine. Anyway, so (laughs) so here's the argument that Trump made. When, uh, to, to the minds of everyone in the news media, he went way too far in describing what the last line of, of defense against these judges might be. If she gets to pick her judges, nothing you can do, folks. Although the Second Amendment people, maybe there is, I don't know. 
All right, now that was a very short version of, of what he said there, but it is the essence of what he said. And it, to me, the important part of this is he's talking about what happens after she has won. Because he specifically says there, if she gets to pick, now there's only one scenario where, if she, where you can say if she gets to pick. And she's that's, president. Right, she's already won. And therefore, as he says there, there's nothing you can do, folks. Correct. And then he goes on, and, and if you've seen the video, you, you realize that this is very much in keeping in the way that Donald Trump likes to make a, a joke, uh, although he then will claim that it's not really a joke, because he puts his head down and he says, well, but you know, with those Second Amendment folks, you never know. Or, you know, and then he says, I don't know. Um, and that, to me, the I don't know was was clearly an indication that he realized that he had said something stupid th- right or controversial or stupid whichever way you want to put it uh, stupid right well I'm glad to hear that we're going to agree on this because I was afraid that we might not but when we come back I'm going to explain why it is that the way, not only the statement but the way the Trump campaign handled it was totally wrong on the second hour of the John and Leah show. 